0: My name is Craig Wright. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. My name is Emerson Malone. I'm a podcast producer with The Daily Emerald. And with me here in the studio,
1: it's... Dana Alston, film critic and general culture writer for The (laughs) Daily Emerald. There we go.
2: And I'm Sarah Rosa Davies. I'm a music writer for The Emerald.
1: On
0: today's episode, Dana and Sarah Rosa listened to nothing but Prince for a week straight. You won't believe what happened next. <laughs> uh, Guys, what happened next?
1: Wow, okay. Let, let's just start off by saying that I first heard about this idea through Sarah Rosa about a week ago. Some, uh, the majority of Prince's major discography was released on Spotify, all mm-hmm. of his Warner Brothers material. And it was a big deal because up until that point, he Prince had a very complicated, somewhat adversarial relationship mm-hmm. to the internet as an artist. Right. From what I gathered... Th- through, like, researching him over the past week is that he viewed musicianship mostly as artistry, but he also respected the fact that it was a job, and so he expected Mm -hmm. to be paid for releasing his material. Yeah. Which, in the digital age, is something that's the opposite of guaranteed. Yeah. So the fact that he had his untimely passing a year ago this coming April, I guess has given Warner Brothers credence to begin releasing his music to the people in some sort of corporate Robin Hood-esque scheme. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, I remember when Prince died. I'm from Minnesota, so like everyone was like, "Oh no!" Of course, but I had never really understood his music. Being from Minnesota and like being involved in the music scene, you can so very clearly see his impact. But as someone growing up, there was never particularly connected to that version of the Minnesota sound, as they call it. So I definitely wanted to take this week as time to just dive into that and to figure out, I guess, some of my own Minnesotan musical roots in a way. And through that, I think I discovered a lot about Prince, a lot about like I had never really given him the time of day and to give him that time of day post, you know, after his passing, it's been really interesting.
1: Yeah, it's worth noting that he has released 39 studio Mm -hmm. albums and five soundtracks, four live albums, five compilations, 17 video albums, and 12 extended plays. You can probably tell I'm reading from a list right now, but...
0: It goes without saying, he has a daunting discography. Right,
1: and so, like, the, uh, the concept of spending just a week listening to him, even front to, like... Even if that's all we're doing, it's still daunting. Yeah, like, mean, as you mentioned,
0: like what percentage of his discography do you think you guys <laughs> respectively listen to?
1: Um, respective, respectfully listen to. Uh, respectfully and <laughs> respectively. <laughs> I got through. Let's see. I got. I've listened to through Sign of the Times, which.
0: Did you guys go chronologically? We Mm -hmm. went chronologically. So we
1: started with For You, which is his debut that was a mostly disco-based piece of showmanship that was sort of like... This is what I can do. I yeah. can play all twenty eight instruments on my album, yeah. but that's not very like musically complex. Yeah. Then we went through Sign of the Times, which is sort of the peak of his yeah revolution era, and the re- and the revolution was his backup band. Yeah.
2: I actually listened to Love, Sexy today while I was getting ready, and that was quite the experience. Yeah. Because that's that's the one album where it's just one long track, and he has the the title names and the track names separated by commas, but that's it. It's just, and that it, was an interesting experience. Right. So
0: so let the record show, even though you guys were only supposed to listen to him for seven days, it's now the eighth day and Sarah Rosa is still listening to Prince. That
1: yeah. says something. <laughs> I was actually, I was at a friend's house the other day and they were playing music and I was not over my addiction yet, so I requested Prince mm-hmm. and I pissed off a lot of people in the room. <laughs> so needless to say, we're slowly becoming fans of his yeah. music. One thing that I will admit to is that while it took it took me a while to like understand the value the value of it because i have sort of a knee-jerk allergic reaction to 80s drum machines <laughs> which he uses pretty extensively one of the cool things about listening to his music front to back is that you be- you hear the evolution mm-hmm. of his sound almost within a day if you just like mm-hmm. i listened to his first three albums all in one day so for you it was 1978. The self-titled Prince was 1979. That's where one of his biggest hits, "I Want to Be Your Lover," is the mm-hmm. opening track. And then "Dirty Mind," which is sort of considered his first foray into true artistry. Yeah. It's still like a very upbeat disco album, only eight tracks long, but clearly meant to be this breezy dance party feeling. Yeah. But it's his sound in that one got much deeper. So I listened to the first three. And the changes between each of them were completely evident because I was listening to them so close together.
2: Yeah, that was kind of the interesting thing about this experience. I've never done anything really like it before, actually. It's so condensed in a way that you just, you have to keep going. You have to, like, you can't stop. Right. (laughs) Um, That's
0: why I'm surprised to hear this marathon experience has been generally positive and you guys still are pretty juiced on Prince yeah
1: Yeah. I mean he's very upbeat a lot of the time I mean if he has a ballad it's usually a bump and grind album or (laughs) ballad rather that has to do with sex which is about 90 percent of Prince's music Mm -hmm. anyway yeah so it's not like you get overly depressed I will say that around the around 1999 which is his 1982 album so that that's his fifth album that he released the overt positivity started to wear on me a little bit yeah. and it became a little hard to listen to, so I took sort of a self-induced solitude from Prince for yeah. about a uh, half a day.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too. That was yesterday. I just would like to read a text you sent me at, on Wednesday, so this was about halfway oh, through yeah. the week. At 10.07 a.m., I got, Yo, did Prince just masturbate over a funky piano beat? What the hell? I'm on controversy controversy right now, in Jesus Christ.
1: Controversy is his fourth album, yeah. and yes, he does <laughs> Yeah, it was a track called do me baby and yes there was a funky piano beat mm-hmm. over which he orgasms
2: <laughs> and I just I woke up to that text I'm pretty sure and I was like oh this experience is just gonna be really interesting that was only the beginning we're like you know almost midway through but like yeah. that. It was something to like walk around campus and to have no one else realizing you're like listening to Prince where like sexual noises galore, you know. But it was kind of like my little secret for the week.
1: (laughs) I guess we should sort of break it down now and talk about what stands out about Prince's work compared to other artists, not only of the era, but just in general. He's one of the most revered musicians of all time. He's written anywhere between 500 and 1000 tracks, some of which haven't even been released. He apparently has this. Vault. Freakishly large vault
2: At Paisley Park yeah. I was there this summer You were I wasn't actually in Paisley Park But my mom and I went to go My mom and dad and I At like Labor Day So this was like pretty long After Prince had You know pretty far after Prince had died And people were still visiting people were yep. still, you know, congregating there. But yeah, my dad was telling me all about this vault he heard about. There's every Minnesotan has a prince story, but like there's some crazy ones about people going to those like dance shows at Paisley Park he used to hold and that sounds amazing and I'm sad now that I'm so into his music, I'm sad that I can't go. I could go a tour, on a tour that's ridiculously expensive.
1: One of the things that struck me about his work lyrically was mm-hmm. how you know, he he Was it was a figure of controversy, especially in the Reagan 1980s for being so overtly sexual with his lyrics and his music in general. At the same time, on an album like Dirty Mind, he has a track called When You Were Mine, which Mm. is sort of this Elvis Costello-like pop song that's very restrictive because it's the same melody over and over and over again, just with lyrics over it or instruments Mm -hmm. over it. He talks about these sweet little vignettes or anecdotes where, you know, he's... When you were mine, you were acting weirdly. You didn't even have the decency to change the sheets. (laughs) And it's little stuff like that where it's like, yeah, it's still sexual, but there's a sweetness to it, and there's an honesty there that makes mm. it very endearing. Which is why I think some of his other works, like controversy with Doomy Baby, where he's like straight-up orgasming, are a little less appealing to me, because not that I'm like opposed mm. to sexuality mm-hmm. in any way, but there's not much material there other than the fact that it's sexual. Mm. Right.
0: One of my favorite Prince moments is in uh, Lady Cab Driver, mm. where he's counting um, his humps was <laughs> <That's Yeah>. like <laughs> devoting each of them to yeah. different people. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's interesting because I saw a show, a, a theater piece about the Minnesota music scene in May, and they had little uh, Prince had just died, you know, and so they had little like little paragraphs that each performer in the show wrote about about Prince's impact on the scene, um, and one of them was actually a high school teacher of mine. He's, um, he's African American man who does a lot of social justice work in theater and he and music and stuff and he was talking about how prince his openness and his sexuality was so big for the black community in a way like kind of like the black community's david bowie and i think that's something that though the sexuality is i don't want to say it's overdone but it's so present but i think for so many people that's so liberating so many people had their like kind of this awakening because of prince and i think to us who maybe haven't grown up with him it's not the same he's had such a huge impact and those little moments and those big ones. Well, it,
1: and I think it is worth it, worth talking about the era in which he came to prominence. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, his first few albums were released in the late seventies. "Dirty Mind," which again is his sort of artistic emergence, came out in nineteen eighty. And then through 1989, basically, he released a slew of albums that were considered his best work mm-hmm. like collectively. But that era was defined by a new wave of conservatism that had just entered the United mm-hmm. States, brought on by Ronald Reagan, and then continued by George H.W. Bush, that viewed taboo topics is especially taboo so for an artist to not only be recording these things but also having great success mm-hmm. was a direct counter to the polit- the politics of the day right and I think there was there was some as Sarah Rosa described it something liberating about that
2: can we talk a little bit what our favorite songs were I think we've talked a lot about yeah, like
1: general impact yeah
2: general impact I'm interested what was your favorite print song out of this long marathon oh, or did they all just blend together
1: <laughs> I liked. So I have a couple. We should probably talk about like the albums that they were connected to as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I, actu- I actually liked. I mentioned it earlier, but when you were mine, the second track off of Dirty Mind, nineteen eighties mm-hmm. Dirty Mind. Again, it has a. It's very poppy, and what's interesting about hear, hearing. Prince record pop is that he's primarily a funk or dance or Mm -hmm. dance music or or R&B musician. So to hear him purposely almost restrict himself, this isn't a knock knock against pop music, but that form is very adherent to Mm -hmm. melodies. So to hear him record a song based on a singular looping melody was interesting and to just just hear what he did with it and bring that sort of lyrical honesty plus it's just fun to listen to there's a story at the core of that song which I appreciate
2: though I didn't like the album Around the World in a Day as much as I liked his other albums for like the consistency of the sound and all that stuff, Raspberry Beret probably ended up being my favorite Prince Mm. song because of that pop quality to it (laughs) It stands out from the album, and I kind of wish it didn't in a way, just because the rest of the album kind of goes all over the place and you're not really sure what it's centered on. Mm-hmm. But I just, Raspberry Beret as a song, I, that, Dee, nee, nee, like, <laughs> I can't say. it. Mm, yeah, I'm Prince, wow. But specifically that kind of high-pitched sound, I love that a lot.
1: We should probably talk about, Just two of his – probably the two albums that many people consider to be his two masterpieces, which are 1999 and uh, Purple Rain, which were released back-to-back in 1999 Mm -hmm. and 1982. Excuse the confusion there. Purple Rain in 1984. Um, 1999 was his first double album. It's 70 minutes long. It's – very wide-reaching. It brings some politics into mm-hmm. into the mix. 1999, the title track is about nuclear proliferation. He also infuses a lot of rock influences into his music. All of a sudden, yeah. Little Red Corvette has these overpowering stadium chords at the center.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think of 1999? Personally, I explained this to you independently before this podcast, yeah. that sometimes I have trouble with albums that are over 45 minutes long, and I feel like that significantly hampers my ability to mm. critique music, but I gotta say, as about halfway through, I was like, "Okay, this should be wrapping up. Oh, I'm only halfway through.
2: <laughs> I really liked nineteen ninety nine but maybe I don't know, maybe it's because it's the one I was most familiar with, so maybe I just kind of attached myself to that, but I do like long I like long listening experiences, so that's where we differ. I like really getting into something and then realizing, oh, it's not done. I have so much more time." Um, I like kind of that cherishing of that. So, yeah, I think... And then Purple Rain, too, that's everyone's favorite Prince album. You know, that's just, yeah. I mean, such a standard. But I think maybe Purple Rain took what 1999 did in a lot, you know, and made it into a shorter format and, like, kind of took some of the same ideas. I don't know. I'd have to listen again. Well, here I am going back to wanting to listen to Prince again. I should have expected this.
1: Oh, we should explain that the album Purple Rain was a soundtrack to... to a movie, yeah. Yeah, to his first film, which was... An excellent movie.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't only um, seen parts of it. Craig... Actually dragged me to the David Minor Theater soon after Prince's death because David Minor has this tendency to air the second run theater here in town. We were just there earlier this week. (laughs) They run these movies like sort of piggybacking on when celebrities die. They showed Labyrinth like days after Bowie's death and Purple Rain days after Prince died. But yeah, Purple Rain is a pretty solid flick. And also,
2: it's the like kind of what made First Avenue famous, and I have so many great memories of that music venue, and I love it. And they had like dance like right after Prince died, they had like a week of consecutive dance parties all night at First Avenue. Um, and I had friends; I wasn't eighteen yet, so I, I couldn't go. But unless I was with my parents, and there was no way I was going to go to a dance party with my parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have friends who went and they said it was just such a cathartic experience for a place that had cherished him so deeply to like just dance to his music and dance the night away. And
1: this is also Purple Rain was his first attempt to bring his set, his own story into the music for a while for a great deal of time preceding that album and that film, he painted a persona of himself or painted a portrait rather and created a persona of himself of Prince the artist separate mm-hmm. from public life and mm-hmm. not really a person so much as this being on high who handed down disco jams.
2: I've heard people compare him to like a groundhog. Because <laughs> yeah. he like, like the way he is in public is so probably, who knows how different it is than the way he was in yeah. private.
1: And it's Purple Rain, the plot of the film and a lot of the music contains a lot of semi-autobiographical mm-hmm. material about this kid who has a ton of talent but is stuck in a, in a semi-abusive household. Right. or outright, abu- outright In the movie he household. doesn't
0: play Prince, I'm pretty sure he just plays the Kid.
2: Mm-hmm. Right,
1: the Kid with a capital K. Right.
2: Oh, I have a great story to end this on. Do it. Okay, so everyone in Minnesota like in some ways has a Prince story. I don't know if my family friend's gonna hate me for telling this one, but to go on to like kind of like people are not encouraging his music, we have a family friend who was like one of his student teachers when he was in middle school and he was doing some music stuff and like wasn't doing so well in school the family friend said to him oh maybe you should focus a little bit less on the music and focus on school and now look at where prince stands in our cultural conversation today so i think i mean (laughs) she's gonna hate me but michelle i love you but i think that just goes to show like we could have the next prince under you know somewhere near us right now and i think it's really important to acknowledge the legacy he has.
1: Yeah. Kid came from a um, household that was still run by two musicians, but was still sort of Mm -hmm. trapped in his own environment. And even before his death, he was considered one of the greatest musicians to ever live.
0: I just want to ask you guys respectively, Mm -hmm. this past week of just binge listening to Prince, what's one thing that you've come to appreciate or one new thing you learned about Prince that has changed the way you think about him?
1: His musical versatility of mm-hmm. uh, just the f- not only the fact that he played you know 28 instruments on his own album more like he would discover influences during his career and then on the following album he would include those influences mm-hmm. you can hear more, more guitar based sound being introduced to his uh, being introduced as he goes along the fact that he got continuously bigger and smaller in his sound and was always evolving mm-hmm. um his appearance and persona was always evolving and that got reflected back into his music
2: i think for me i understood just how involved or like how he mentored people in the twin cities music scene but i didn't under quite understand his like world legacy and that larger legacy i understood it regionally but i remember watching we were watching the grammys when this had started and watching bruno mars do the whole purple rain purple rain thing and like watching him kind of imitate Prince. That like hit home for me kind of at the start of the week that this is so much bigger than the Minnesota scene I grew up in and so much bigger than just like a regional thing. Prince was something to everybody.
0: Well put, both of ya. Okay, (laughs) that's all we have time for today. My name is Emerson Malone.
1: I'm Dana Alston.
2: And I'm Sarah Rosa Davies.
0: If you want to hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, or you can listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. And if you want to listen to Prince, basically any streaming service, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. It's all all there. Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon. Prince lives. Prince lives on. Forever. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs)